When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back with you guys for another episode of our Press Box series show, which I'm joined by a member of the press to talk about the latest Arsenal feels, as we like to describe it these days. And the feels are good after Arsenal responded 2-0 against Newcastle off the back of that disappointing game at Anfield. To do so, I'm very happy to be joined by Chronicles of Aguna and 90 Mins, Harry Simeon. How are you doing, mate? Are you well? Yeah, all good, man. Trying to stay warm in these uh, Arctic conditions. But yeah, yeah, all good. Can't complain. Hey, this was a birthday gift. Well, I say it's a birthday gift. Little glimpse behind the curtain. The, the other half bought me a shacket. I don't know if you've heard of these. Shackets. Yes, I've got a couple of those. They, oh, really? Quite yes. handy, so, yeah. Well, I hated it. <laughs> the one that she bought. So we went out and uh, and exchanged uh, to this one. So technically, she still bought me it, but it was uh, a, a shacket that I liked. So uh, that's positive <laughs> news. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's welcome in this cold weather to have something that you can wear inside and outside. That was uh, It was a new one on me. But uh, what Arsenal certainly pleased us at the weekend with a 2-0 victory over Newcastle. Do do you think that win kind of signifies that this is a side of a different mentality, that after a really humbling defeat to, to Liverpool, that they can respond almost immediately with a game against Newcastle? Yeah, I think it's it's a good sign. I'm not sure that it completely convinces the world that we are sort of a, a, a different animal this time around. I think you've got to take into account how poor Newcastle have been this season, the fact that they're rock bottom of the league, the fact that they've you know, clearly got an issue scoring goals, clearly got an issue defending as well. I, I think for me, it's it's a real positive that Arsenal managed to to get a win under their belts after what, what you quite rightly described as a really humbling defeat. But I think we also have to, like I've been saying throughout the season, and I know you've been saying as well, we kind of have to keep our feet on the ground here and understand that there is progress. I think there's clearly progress, but I think, you know, we're going to have to wait a little bit later on in the season maybe to assess where we're actually at but obviously great to to get the three points and great to almost prevent those people that were kind of and, and there were a lot of them that were waiting in the wings to to kind of see how we were going to respond to Liverpool and and how we were going to kind of bounce back if we could bounce back and I think it's a it's definitely a, a positive and, and we're definitely moving in the right direction at least. Yeah, you know, I think it was great to see. Obviously, it was a little bit of a struggle in the first half. Had that Abamyang chance gone in, maybe the floodgates would have opened a little bit sooner. Just briefly on that, he's had a couple of a few games now where obviously he's he's struggling. The Watford game was was a real struggle at the Emirates with the penalty miss and then stealing Erdogan's very blatant and obvious goal that was going to be going in. Goes to Anfield quite isolated in that match. Had one click cut chance, hit it straight at Allison, and then of course you go into this game and misses. Probably along with Mopes this weekend as well, the worst miss of the, of the season. It's a difficult period, and looking at Manchester United, a really key game where we need to take these chances. Does his run of form give you any kind of incentive to say maybe we should drop him for this match? 
it's a difficult one because obviously Mikel Arteta sees him as a leader, sees him as a, a, an important part of this team. He very rarely comes off of the pitch. I know he did at the weekend, but that was when the game was ultimately done and dusted. I think there is a really strong relationship between Mikel Arteta and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I think that when Arsenal went big on giving him the new contract, I, I think they then had to back that up and follow that up, didn't they? With almost mm. a loyalty to him. You know, he showed loyalty in staying. We needed to show it in the way he's kind of looked after and treated at the football club. I am a little bit concerned about his form. I, I don't think he's the the striker that necessarily fits the way we want to play. That's not his fault. That's a, a consequence of the tactical evolution of this side. And he's one of a number of players, I think, that are struggling to really kind of be at their best while playing in this way. But what mm. I would say is he looks interested he looks like he cares. He looks like he's playing for the team. He looks like he's, you know, all in on the cause. And that, for me, is kind of the bottom line of what you should expect from a player. That's the kind of minimum. That's the kind of uh, thing that I think all managers and all fans look for. Mm. I think when you are Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and you've got a bit of credit in the bank like he has because of what he's done for the club in the past, I think you have to give him that little bit of leeway. And I, I know it's not ideal. And, I, and as I say, I don't think he's the perfect fit for this mm. side at centre forward. But I think he's the best we've got. And I think while he's interested in giving his all, I think it's just one of those limitations that we have at the moment that we're just going to have to accept. I think we all can see that the next phase in the rebuild probably is to change things in that kind of area of the park. So I, I'm okay with him. You know, I, I know he missed that opportunity and I did feel like it was going to be one of those days. But fortunately, we we didn't live to regret it too much. And, and I guess mm. we should just move on. I think we should move on. I think it's important that to, to understand that these players do have their moments. Um, and I know Aubameyang has had a few of them. But to be honest, I have a bit of sympathy because he is feeding off of a lack of chance creation, to be fair. And I think that he's obviously been used in previous iterations of this Arsenal side to be getting far more opportunities, which he would be taking, which has led to him getting you know, upwards of 20, near 30 goals a season. Uh, and that's not really happened during Arteta's tenure. And again, whilst you know this was our second highest goal uh, shot on target, not shot on target, but just shots created game with 24, the, the, the highest is Norwich with 30. And yeah, they are the two sides, two of the favourites, of course, to go down. But it did feel like, and a lot of those shots, I think we can all say, came from quite far out with Tavares, Tomiyasu taking some, some pot shots from outside the box, in particular Tavares. Can you see, did you see evidence in the game that there is an improvement in any way that we are starting to create more better opportunities, if that makes... I was awful English, but I think you understand what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think for me, the interesting thing about those games against the so-called lower sides, the sides that are going to be fighting relegation, etc., etc., mm. more often than not, they are the sides that come to the Emirates and play with a low block and sit behind the ball and try and make it difficult for you. And in years gone by, I would argue that they're the sides that we probably did struggle against because, you know, people want to come on to Arsenal. You know, the way we're trying to play at the moment, in theory, we should be able to beat the press. I know we didn't do it very well at Liverpool, but against mm. most sides, you feel like now we're equipped to beat a press and expose spaces in behind. I think we've done it on a few occasions. We did it against um, Leicester. We did it against Tottenham. So we are capable of doing it against sort of sides that do want to come out and play us a little bit. Newcastle... I wondered going into this game if they were going to be 
a little bit more expansive because of Eddie Howe and because of how yeah. we know he likes to play. But actually, they were sitting with a really low block, especially at the start of the game, especially before we scored. And it did make it difficult. So I was encouraged that we at least created some chances. I know you mentioned some of the pot shots that we took from distance. You know, they're not ideal. But, you know, in years gone by, we would have all sat in the Emirates Stadium and gone, why aren't we shooting? And you know that that was a problem in the past because you still get these people inside the stadium who, whenever someone gets within the vicinity of the penalty area, is shouting, shoot. So, yeah. you know, that is a kind of uh, an ongoing thing. So, look, to see those shots means that we're at least trying. And sometimes that is going to give us joy. Other times it's not. Nuno Tavares didn't have his shooting boots on. Neither did others on the day. But, yeah, yeah you, you have to take encouragement from the fact that we are creating more chances in general this season than we did last season because that was a big problem for us. Mm, yeah, it was. It's obviously the defence was such a huge issue when Arteta took over and he's seemingly done, he's progressed us massively in that area with both coaching and signings that we've made. And it is going to be now the challenge to improve our efficiency in our attacking output. And hopefully that that game against Newcastle, we did create more chances is is a sign of things to come, fingers crossed. A, a player in the middle that's, you know, Laconga is is playing fantastically well so well in fact that he really is kind of outshining his partner Thomas Partey at the moment and for my money and this is purely from an opinion standpoint if everyone is playing at their absolute maximum Thomas Partey is our best player but we don't tend to see that maximum from him so often at the moment why why do you think that is and do you think that do you think it's something that's a cause for concern or do you see this as just kind of a still getting back from those injuries that he's faced and he's going to have to get more match fitness before we see the best from him. It's a question I've been asked a few times over the weekend and one mm. one I talked about at length on a podcast yesterday. I, I'm not massively concerned because I think, as you say, when he is at his best, he is probably the best player. Mm. I, I think that that's clear to see. My issue with Thomas Partey at the moment is that he doesn't look fit enough. And... You know, yes, there have been injury problems and he's broken down way more times than we'd have hoped, you know, having signed him for 45 odd million pounds. Mm. But even when he is fit to play, and I say that with quote marks, he still doesn't look fit to play. He still looks half a yard off the pace. And I don't think it was as glaringly obvious against Newcastle as it was against Liverpool because of the calibre of opponent. But I was watching him very closely and I do feel like he's still missing half a yard. I feel mm. like... We, talk a lot, we talked a lot about Thomas Partey's ability to uh, progress the ball between the lines. And actually, Sambi Lakonga's doing that better than him at the moment. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know if when Granite Xhaka comes back, and, I, and I'm sure he'll come back into the side alongside Partey, I don't know if having that more defensive-minded partner alongside him will allow him to step that bit further forward and impact the game in, in the opponent's half a little bit more. I don't know if he's being asked to do a little bit more of a a kind of defensive job because of the mm. fear of, of somebody like Lekonga, who's still young and still learning, kind of making a mistake. I, I don't know how much he's being handicapped by his partner is the point I'm trying to make. I'm not saying Lekonga's playing badly. No. Lekonga no. is, he, he has given the ball away in certain areas quite often. Uh, he didn't do it against Newcastle. He was very good, but in games gone by, he's been a little bit naive with his Anfield. passing. Yeah, Anfield, he did it. There was a couple of others as well. I thought at Brighton, he wasn't very good either. Yeah, Palace um, as well. We gave yeah. the ball away, which led to that goal, of course. So. Absolutely. And he's been caught in possession a few times. His progressive passing has been good for the most part, but he's taken risks sometimes when he shouldn't. Yeah. And I just wonder if Partey 
is kind of a little bit reluctant to bomb on and try and impact the game a bit more as a consequence of playing alongside mm. him. But going back to the player specifically, the fitness thing looks like the biggest problem for me. I don't think there's any doubt about his talent. Just doesn't look quite there in terms of sharpness. Mm, yeah, it's interesting. I think that's a really good point you raised that I hadn't previously considered about Lukonga's kind of infancy and maybe he's operating in kind of a little bit of a, a shepherding style role yeah. next to him and and always having to consider that if Lukonga does give the ball away, he's going to have to be back and covering. And I think actually we've seen some of Partey's best performances when he's alongside a more experienced figure like Granit Xhaka. Those two have a pretty good relationship together. And I think that Partey knows that he can, he, despite Xhaka's fullbacks and, and failings where he does himself sometimes be a little bit too slow and can give the ball away, but is still a lot more reliable. I mean, his passing accuracy speaks for itself, Granit Xhaka. So you know that you've got a reliable passer in him. El Nenny as well. You remember that game back at Old Trafford, which we're going to come mm. on to soon. That, El Nenny is, for however limited in his ability he is, an experienced player that's pretty safe as as a player to put in. You know what you're going to get. You're not going to get uh, an extravagant ball defiant, like pass defining player that breaks between the lines. But you are going to get someone that's safe and dependable in most situations. And I think maybe Partey's unlocked a bit more. It's a really good yeah, narrative. Just maybe just to add about. to that as well. Mm. I mean, if you think back to, uh, I think it was the Brighton game where Partey mm. was playing alongside Lekonga. And we saw it on a number of occasions. Obviously, Arsenal like to push the left back on. And one of the things that Xhaka's really good at doing is filling in that hole that is then left by the left back, kind of shifting mm. sort of half the way across to be able to kind of pick up that position. And what happened at Brighton a few times was Lekonga was seeing the Brighton wingbacks coming forward. And in my opinion, was getting too involved and was sucked in. Yeah. yeah. And was pulling really wide and leaving Thomas Partey, these mm. gaping holes in which he needed to cover. And I just wonder if, you know, Lukonga is getting better and better, but I just wonder if Thomas Partey's got that in his mind. He's always looking over his shoulder to make sure that Lukonga is close enough to him. And if he has gone walkabouts in terms of pressing or trying to go get out to a, a wide player, I think that does play on Partey's mind. And I think he's a little bit more conservative as a result of that. Yeah, no, I think it's a really excellent point, one well made. Manchester United's coming up next. Uh, and with that, does come some tricky decisions. Um, but before we go on to kind of the lineups, which will finish the podcast, Ralph Ranick, of course, was announced today as their interim head coach. I've not had an opportunity to really speak to you about this, Harry, from your perspective. I know that your your affiliations of Italian football are a lot stronger than maybe your affiliations to German football, but I think we can all recognise that as from a footballing perspective, he is a very sound footballing brain. And a lot of people like Jurgen Klopp, Julian Nagelsmann have taken inspiration from his kind of gag pressing style of play that he develops whilst, you know, managing at Schalke and then, of course, doing a lot of work with RB Leipzig and, and the Red Bull franchise overall. It's, I described it as an annoyingly sensible appointment by Manchester United. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it's probably one of the best footballing decisions they've made in a while. Mm. The the only thing that, that, concern, that would concern me if I was a United fan is, is he going to be then given the autonomy that he needs to impact the team and overhaul mm. him because he's only got a six month period. And I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for just a fresh face coming in. You know, it did go stale under Ollie. It was clear that the players weren't really kind of bought into what it was he was doing. And then you've got this manager coming in. I still think the big question mark around Ranić is the big characters and the big egos. And he's mm. not really been in that environment yet. So a lot has been made of the Ronaldo debate. Should he play? Should he not play? Um, that will be interesting to see how that pans out. But I think overall, 
the fact that he's not just coming in as a manager for six months, he's then been given a consultancy role, I think is big for Manchester United. Yeah. And I think if they give him the time and the the kind of freedom to do what he needs to do, they'll be in much better shape at the end of that uh, of that period. Yeah, without a doubt. I think you look at the evidence of what he's done at RB Leipzig and throughout the, the, the I was going to say the Salzburg franchise, but the, obviously the Red Bulls uh, franchise and affecting Salzburg and, and Leipzig and what that kind of route that goes through that sim players like Naby Keita, Dale Pamecano, Dominic Zoboslai, uh, the production of of those kids, but also the signings that, that have been made there. And I think they've taken that on since he's left. With They've moved on to that kind of that next level at RB Leipzig where they're signing players like Andre Silva, for instance, who's not within that 23 and under the bracket that that Ranić kind of instilled of only signing young players, but they've now become a club that can compete. And to do that, you need to balance the, the way in which you sign players. And they've gone on to that next level. Man United, we know, are are much further, much, much, much further down the line of development as a football club than Leipzig. And and that may be where the questions will arise around Ranić because he can he go to a club that's established, that's got huge expectations in terms of the Premier League, the Champions League. Uh, and winning trophies with some massive personalities both in the squad and off-field as well with Carrick and you think of Fletcher that's there and obviously previous players that still have their own opinions about the club, Skulls, Neville, etc. Can he influence a side with very little experience at a club of that magnitude in that stage of its development? That's going to be the biggest questions, I think. Um, but on the game specifically, Harry, to wrap things up, there's, there's a couple of decisions that need to be made. Erdogan came in for a bit of criticism um, for his kind of... I don't want to say his lackluster display because I just think he went under the radar in the game at Newcastle. I think his influence on games can do quite often. And actually, he started in both the games against Norwich and Newcastle where we created the most shooting opportunities in both those games. Um, but then you've also got the Tierney Tavares debate going on. So ultimately, how would you set up if you were Mikel Arteta? It's a really tough one because I really, you know, I was really impressed with the way Tavares came back mm. into this. Well, he didn't come back into the side. He was obviously in, the, he stayed in the side, but to kind of go out on the field against Newcastle and almost just wipe from his mind what had happened yeah. at Anfield was, was pretty cool. Um, and and the, the fact that he was, I know we were talking, uh, we were joking earlier on about the pot shots and the, the kind mm. of wild efforts that we saw, but that was a sign of confidence for me. And although he wasted the ball, he certainly showed that he still believes in his ability and that what happened last weekend hadn't really rocked him. And that was really encouraging to see because we talk about the mental side a lot. We talk about this side being a lot stronger in that department. Mm. And I think you saw it there. I, I don't think he will start. I think that Kieran Tierney will come back mm. in. I think that Mikel Arteta has shown himself to be a bit more of a pragmatist than maybe people expected in his tenure. I think that he will look at it and say that we're probably going to do a lot more defending against Manchester United than we did against Newcastle. When you yeah. face a low block, I think Tavares is, is more useful. I think his unpredictability when he gets into the, the final third gives him something. I know the final ball's not always there, but you don't know if he's going to go outside of you, inside of you, across the pitch. He's, he's just got this ability to just wing it and, and cause chaos. And, and I really like that. I think I'd go with Tierney just because I think we're going to do a lot more defending. The rest of the back four uh, picks itself. I think it will be Partey and Lekonga in midfield. I think Odegaard, you're right, did go under the radar a little bit at the weekend. I thought he pressed really, really well. And one of the things that might not have been picked up if you weren't at the game was mm. that when he was pressing, he very often was turning around to his teammates and almost sort of waving at them and encouraging yeah. them to kind of join him in the press. And you could see a real 
frustration from Odegaard that it wasn't being followed up. Mm. And I think that's what Nikel refers to when he talks about leadership qualities. And I think that kind of stuff can go under the radar. We've become obsessed nowadays with stats and, you know, heat maps and things like that. But actually, as you said, he's been in the team when we've created the most chances because he occupies spaces that, for me, then mean the centre forward can wriggle free at times. That for me mean that the wingers can sometimes kind of drop into those pockets and and be not unnoticed, but can be noticed late, which gives them that slight mm. advantage. So, I, I think he should play. I, I really do at Old Trafford. I think we could do with his work rate. I think we could do with the extra midfielder, Aubameyang up front for me, Smith Rowe on one flank. Don't know if Saka's going to be fit. This is if the, he isn't. If he isn't. I know people are going to scream for Gabriel Martinelli. I am. <laughs> I, 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 are I you peppering this? I might be tempted to move Odegaard to the flank. Right. Oh, then, really? Yeah, and play Laka in that role. In oh, that's range. interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm, Odegaard has played there. He played there for, yeah. for Real Sociedad. He played there for Vitesse. Um, he can play in that wider role. Yeah, and he likes to cut inside onto that left foot of his. We've actually mm. seen him. When you look at his heat maps, I know mm. I just said that we should bin those. Oh, heat when maps? You, what? <laughs> <laughs> when you look at the heat maps, though, you'll actually see that a lot of the positions he takes up are slightly to the right of centre where he yeah, has he that ability to cut in. So I, I think that could be an option. I really do. I think it's it was telling that Nicolas Pepe wasn't brought on ahead of Martinelli at the weekend. I think that says a lot about where mm. Arteta is with him at this moment in time. And I wonder if um, I wonder if that gives us a bit of an indication as to what might happen on Thursday. Yeah, it will be. It's an interesting lineup. There's a few decisions that he needs to make. I hadn't myself considered that that bringing Erdogan and Lacquer in, or maybe even going to kind of a four-two-two-two in in a way and just playing Lacazette slightly off of Aubameyang. Uh, would that give you enough defensive cover is another thing, but maybe it would give us more in the wide areas with Erdogan and Smith Rowe backing up the fullbacks. But we'd have to wait and see. Um, go on, Harry. Uh, I was just going to say, my thing with Martinelli is this. I think that obviously he showed incredible technique to score that goal and mm. there's no question in his effort. But I'm not sure that his all-round game is there just yet. Yeah, of course. And, and, you 20 know, years people, old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there, there's people screaming for him to sort of be in the side every week. Oh, and, yeah, I agree. When I'm when I'm looking at this and I'm trying to look at it rationally, the thing that I keep coming back to is: is his all-round game better than Saka's, or is it better than Smith Rowe's? Mm. And it isn't. And and we no. know that he wants to play in one of those positions. He doesn't want to play as a centre forward. So for me, you look at that and and you can't put him in the starting lineup week in mm. week out. Maybe there's an opportunity to do it now with an injury, but when everybody's fit. I think it's right that he's not in the starting eleven, despite what he did at the weekend. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wrote a piece about this. I said it was around the lines of, I think that he's been slightly mismanaged by Mikel Arteta in regards to the amount of minutes off the bench he's being afforded prior to the weekend against Newcastle. Being given a minute or two or three minutes in injury time, that's not enough for Martinelli. He's a player yeah. that needs to be given 10 to 15 minutes from the bench in games to make an impact. But... He, you're right, he doesn't get into the starting lineup right now. It's just about how we used him. But it was, as you say, very telling that he came on over Nicolas Pepe on Saturday evening. Um, or early morning, in fact, or early afternoon. In regards to a prediction, where are you going for uh, for the United game? If I, if I offered you a draw, would you take it? Yeah, yeah, I would. Mm. I would because I'm very much of the opinion that this season it's about beating the teams that we should be beating. Mm -hmm. And if or we can do that, them. yeah, or not losing <laughs> to them. Exactly. Yeah. And and if we can, if we can stay in the hunt, then I think obviously 
you know, you never know what could happen towards the end of the season. But going to Old Trafford, despite what's gone on there, it's still going to Old Trafford. They'll be boosted by the appointment of Ranyik. We don't know if he'll be in a dugout yet because of work permit issues, but mm. I'm sure he'll have some impact on the team, whether he's there physically or not. And um, and I think that Man United will be buzzing. So I think it's, you know, we'd have preferred to have played him a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, the timing hasn't really worked out for us. So I think a draw would be a very respectable result. And if we can follow that up with three points from from Everton, then yeah. uh, I think we, we're we in a great place again. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Harry, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate your time. Tell people where they can find you. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter at Harry Simi. You can find me on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast or over on 90min. Uh, so, yeah, cheers. No problem at all. Uh, you can follow myself at Tom Canton Media and we'll make sure you're following the Arsenal way at the Arsenal way N5. We are now just under 30 subs from hitting our 5K target. So thank you so much as always for the support. Uh, we've only been going for a few months and uh, to be there is crazy. So please do make sure uh, that you are hitting that subscribe button and like the video as well. Tomorrow I'll be joined by Josh Williams to look back at the Newcastle game in even more analytical detail because despite the fact that stats can become too much, we don't care and we want to go even to more statistical detail. <laughs> about the game as well and see where we might be able to find some little wins ahead of Old Trafford. See you guys soon and as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way.